This season of Crucial Tech is brought to you by Safety National Insurance. Safety National Cyber Insurance protects large organizations against network security and privacy risks, reimbursing damages and financial loss arising from accidental or malicious incidents to computer networks, software, and data. Coverage options address various risks ranging from liability, business interruption, reputational harm, penalties, and more. Visit safetynational.com for additional details. This is Crucial Tech, a podcast about technology that affects us all, but most of us don't understand. Presented in a format that allows you to consume it in the time it takes to go to and from the grocery store. I'm your host, Lou Covey, and I probably know more about it than you do. And if I don't, I know someone who does. So let's get to it. Today on Crucial Tech, we're going to take a look at the health information industry. Uh, This is is a significant problem because healthcare services are targeted by cyber criminals more than pretty much any other organization, simply because there are so many holes in it. Because if if a company is going to use new technology in, in the security of patient information, they have to pass certification from HIPAA, which is the health insurance, no, excuse me, the Health Information Portability and Accountability Act. Uh, that, that is uh, a federal regulation that governs uh, how information is collected and distributed within the healthcare area. And if it doesn't, it doesn't have that, that, that particular certification, then it can't be used. That causes a problem because the health industry is generally way behind the curve in the adoption of new technology. So they end up having lots of security holes. And the good news is that while most of security breaches are caused by uh, human error, in other words, they they mistakenly give access to someone uh, for for a particular system, that's not the case with health, uh, the health uh, industry. Uh, with, with the health industry, more than half, or actually right around 65% of the, uh, the security breaches are due to network holes uh, in the hardware itself, in, in, the, in the technology, that the holes already exist and criminals will just uh, use those holes rather than bother about the issue of, of phishing and, and getting uh, somebody to give them uh, various access through through passwords and, and codes and that sort of thing. So it's, it's important that we update that particular industry uh, with new technology. And one of the people we're talking to today is exactly that. Uh, so let's go to the interview right now. We have the CEO of Yossi Health. Uh, you are Hari Prasad, uh, which is a, not an unusual name, apparently, because I know two other Harry Prasads working in the semiconductor industry. So this is kind of new for me. <laughs> yes, I'm starting to find out it's not such an uncommon name myself, Lou. Yeah. Uh, but I do get often called Harry. So that's something that I'm now getting used to. Uh, 
but it's really pronounced hurry yes and hurry up. But well, I been to a number of uh, uh, folks with my own name as well. Yeah, well, as you notice, when I first mentioned it, I did say hurry. So I, yes. I recognize that. Right. I appreciate that, Lou. So we've got um, an interesting story to talk about here. Uh, I am starting to look into uh, doing some coverage of health security, but uh, uh, and this is one part of it. Uh, I understand that what you are involved in is the input of data mm -hmm. on a secure level. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Yossi is a health technology platform that facilitates access to patient care and helps streamline administrative burden for medical practices and improving patient outcomes. So with that responsibility, we are at the forefront of collecting vital and secure patient information. So we are responsible for not just the collection of the information, but also safeguarding that information and sharing that securely with the medical practices. So as a platform and as a company, we're often interested or always interested by patients who are inputting their private and secure information to be safeguarded and shared securely with their doctors. Okay, so what does that mean? What, 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 uh, better question, what does that look like? Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's not very uncommon for us as patients to go to a medical clinic and sit there and fill out a wide range of forms, often for every visit that we go to a clinic. It's one of the most frustrating aspects of care that we receive. And we mm -hmm. often wonder why is that I have to keep inputting my information every single time. Uh, there's over a billion patient visits per year, and most of that patient visit often requires us to at least sign a consent form or fill out some basic information. So that's what EOC is facilitating today for patients to securely input their information uh, virtually and be able to complete all the required check-in and registration process before they see their medical provider. So we're getting rid of that dreaded clipboard and the check-in process for patients today. Yeah, well, I, I've, I've noticed well, in my own clinic, we've got a combination of both. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've got the app on my phone. Uh, I've, when, I, when I go in, uh, you know, I've, I've already done the, the easy check-in. And yet at the same time, can you fill out this form? So it doesn't sound like it's made that many inroads, but still I understand that, you know, it's, it's kind of a mix. So how do you get health professionals to make the switch over? Mm -hmm. Sure, uh, and I'm really glad you asked the question because your experience is not an exception. This is usually, you know, what happens with every single patient visit. And the reason is because providing medical care is deceptively complex where they need to collect precise and specific information from you as a patient at every point of your visit and during your own medical journey. So that's why the easy check-in happens on your smartphone loop, whereas your specific medical history and information needs to be collected uh, on those forms. So the way to get rid of this and how Yoshi has been helping medical practices to solve this problem is we work with them to find out all of the specific information that they need from their patients for each of the appointments. And then we're able to collect all of that information from the patient securely, not just the easy check-in part, but also vital and complex medical information from the patient. For example, a pediatric uh, clinic or a pediatrician 
oftentimes have more than 280 different workflows. And it's because based on the age of the child, they need to collect different set of clinical, behavioral, and other information from the parent that makes that process extremely complex to automate. So that's really what Yossi has brought into medical practices where we automate the entire check-in process by collecting that complex information from patients or the parents in this case prior to their visit. Okay. Now, um, your PR lady who got this thing set up, one of the things she said that she kind of threw her off is that at her, at her clinic when she was checking in uh, uh, her, her child, um, it asked permission to use this data for marketing purposes. Mm -hmm. uh, it kind of surprises me that a medical facility would actually be doing that. So is that one of the things that you deal with? Yes, uh, unfortunately, you know, the use of, you know, patient information for marketing purposes and how it's shared with other third party resellers or other data brokers, et cetera, is still a major cause of concern, uh, Lou. And medical practices often need to employ a very stringent policy in terms of how they collect patient information and how they let vendors that they work with use that information with uh, other resellers or other data brokers. So in this case, you know, for those that were born before 2000, we, you know, all of our information was non-digital and then we moved into the digital world, whereas, you know, people that were born after 2000, all of their information has been now available online Permission has been granted for others that should not have permission to uh -huh. access the information. So that's why, you know, what you're highlighting here is a major cause of concern, not just for medical practices in terms of how they should securely safeguard the patient information, but most importantly for patients and their children, because that information is now being shared with other third party users. Uh, and we've seen a number of examples where the FTC has taken a very strong stand against companies that have shared the information with other companies like Facebook and Google and others, uh, which is prohibited, you know. But although it's commercially prohibited, HIPAA does not have a framework for those entities that are non-business associates in not allowing them to share that information with other third-party vendors. Or in other words, HIPAA, which allows all of our information to be protected, those guidelines, does not apply to those entities that are non-business associates, in which case they're allowed to share the patient information or the child's information with other third-party vendors. So that's really where this is going to be a really huge cause of concern for all of us involved because our information could freely be used by others uh, when they're not supposed to be gaining access to it. Well, did, well, does your system even allow that option? Uh, we do not, okay. because we recognize, and you know, since our inception, we've been safeguarding the patient information and we believe in protecting the privacy of the patient's information. So that's only securely shared with the medical practices. Uh, so that's how we've maintained the highest compliance standards in the industry uh, mm -hmm. by not only meeting those uh, technology standards, but I also meeting those standards, working directly with medical practices and complying with what their requirements are in terms of sharing that medical information with others. Okay, 
So you don't do it, but do any of your clients do it? Our clients, you know, are typically medical practices. So what we find is, you know, they are at the, you know, uh, you know, they have the responsibility of providing patient care and clinical care and improving outcomes. So they are singularly focused on that aspect of, you know, providing the care. What we often find is sometimes they may not be aware of you know, some of these aspects of running a medical practice or the different contracts or legal terms that they get involved with, where the vendors that they choose may have earned the rights to share the patient information with others. So that's really what we find. Uh, so it's not that you know medical practices uh, start sharing patient information freely with others. It's just that they're singularly focused on the clinical care, and they may not have often the framework or the infrastructure needed or the legal support in some cases to know exactly the type of contracts or legal terms that they're getting themselves involved with. Okay. But it, it just it just seems to me. Well, I understand the reason people do it or organizations do it is that they can they can get a revenue stream by selling this this information to third parties. Mm -hmm. um, but it seems to me, why is it even an option in today's day and time? Mm -hmm. Why do why do some medical organizations like your PR ladies uh, or uh, clinic even have that as an option on their forms? You know, okay. If you give us permission, we're going to do it. But exactly. the, the the other side side is, well, if you if it if that option isn't on the form, does that mean they're going to do it anyway? Or mm -hmm. are there some laws that say no, you can't do it unless they give explicit permission to do so? Mm -hmm. Sure. No, that's a fantastic question. But you know, you know, number of surveys show about eighty four percent of us. We're concerned about how our data is being shared with others. Mm -hmm. While all of us have that concern, three-fourths uh, of people often don't read all of the legal language and all of the clauses, and they indicate yeah. that they would likely go ahead and click agree to just get to the next phase, right? So it's just consumer behavior, patient behavior. So oftentimes, a lot of these permissions that they're providing to vendors uh, who share patient information uh, they do so because they're looking to get through the process and because close to 75% of them don't read what's in the clause or what's in the agreement, they end up providing the consent by default. So that's where I think your, your question is fantastic because those consents need to be changed you know, as a framework to first allow them to not provide the consent by default and then get explicit consent if their information needs to be shared. But even in that case, people are often not reading those fine print uh, and understanding exactly what they're consenting to. So those are things that companies take advantage of, where they know that you know if if they know seventy five percent of people are going to simply click agree or you know click submit or I accept, then that's the opportunity that they have in order to allow the patient data to be uh, harvested and shared with others for revenue streams. It's really depressing, Hari. We're at this place, but so essentially, the only thing that a parent can do to protect their child's information is mm -hmm. to essentially pay attention right from the beginning. Don't, exactly. 
and there there's no other real protection. I mean, are are there any laws in, in any of the states? I I know in the EU, I think that there's some very specific issues, mm-hmm. and I, I know HIPAA has has its own set of issues, mm-hmm. but. Are, are are there any laws anywhere that state no you have to get explicit permission mm-hmm. from from people to use it? Yes, system? yeah, sure. I'm I'm sorry to be the bearer of the bad news here, Lou. Uh, but you know the reason why we are so uh, you know focused on this issue is because of the risk that parents might be putting their children and their you know protected information under without being aware of the risks that they are putting their children under, right? So there are a number of laws that, you know, that that exist to protect or uh, safeguard the patient's information. So there's the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, often called the COPA, similar to how we pronounce HIPAA. So that allows any personal information that's collected for patients under age of 13 uh, that cannot be shared without parental consent. So in this case, what's happening is that while that law exists, the forms that parents are signing often is giving consent for someone to share that information with others. So even though there's safeguards and things that's in place, if the parent ends up signing those forms and not reading the fine print and asking all the right questions to their healthcare provider, they're going to likely end up providing the consent for that child's information to be shared with others. Uh, so essentially, also- essentially, what we need mm-hmm. is a law that very simply says no medical information on any human being or animal anywhere at any time can be used for marketing purposes, period. Period. Exactly. Those are the you know, common sense laws that we need, right, that will enable all of the patients to be fully aware that no matter what their information is not going to be shared and for the vendors to be very clear that they are they don't have any loopholes or any opportunities with you know legalese or other you know pathways for them to share that information with others so that's why these rules need to be very stringent loop and that's why the proliferation of technology now in you know in the last 20 years is highlighting the serious concerns that now children's data are being exposed to other vendors. Previously, you know, years back, that was not a risk that we were all running into, but now that entire generation's data could be publicly available to other third-party vendors that should not have access to that information. And, and part of the problem too is that there, there's, a, there's this catch-22 where mm-hmm. you, you, can, you can actually state flat out, we are not going to use this data for any marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. But, and I know in, in Facebook and in TikTok and all the social media platforms, they have that. So no, we're not going to use this for marketing. Mm-hmm. However, we will be sharing this data with our, our partners. Mm-hmm. And since you don't have an agreement with those partners, then they can go ahead and share it. So. This law that says it can't be used has to be all inclusive, not just for the, the agreement that you have with someone else. It has to be says that even a third party that you don't have an official agreement with can't mm-hmm. use this stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the big question is, 
Do you know of any legislators that are actually pushing this kind of law? We've, you know, we've seen a number of initiatives that's being taken uh, by different uh, stakeholders, Lou, but I'm personally not aware of any specific one that's championing this uh, from a, you know, standpoint of the children's, you know, information that needs to be protected. And there's also a number of challenges here because when we look at state guidelines and state laws, that also varies substantially between different states in terms of how teenagers and patients or children about 13 and how their information is even shared with their own parents. Because there could be a number of scenarios where someone at the age of 13 or above may need that privacy where their information should not be shared with their own parents because there's not there's a number of sensitive uh, clinical and other information that they may be disclosing to their healthcare providers. So even, you know, comparing different states, the guidelines vary substantially. So each practice that, you know, runs a clinic or that provides medical care needs to be fully aware of these teen privacy laws and how that's being applied in each of their own state and okay. be able to apply that and make sure that their patient's information in often cases, 13, 14 year olds, and how their information, uh, you know, is protected uh, from any of their, you know, parents, caregivers, guardians, grandparents, et cetera. Are you talking to any legislators about this? Uh, we have, uh, yes, uh, this is something that we have been very actively involved with because we provide care to a number of, uh, you know, uh, medical clinics that care for children. So this is very near and dear to us, Lou. So that's why we've been trying to highlight this through, you know, bringing awareness about not just technology that can prevent these information that can be shared, but there needs to be a legal framework, uh, a unified structure and, you know, common sense laws that needs to be enabled that makes it very easy for parents to fully understand what is that they're sharing with others and for companies to have safeguards in place where they will not be able to share information with others. So yes, okay. we're actually looking into this, monitoring this and focused on how can we protect our next generation's information to be secure. Yeah, okay. There, there's actually a guy out here in California you may be interested in talking to, and I'm running the risk of giving this uh, him a uh, a platform. He is running to replace Anna Eshoo, who is mm -hmm. uh, uh, sitting down or, or stepping down from her uh, congressional position. His name is Joe Samidian. Uh, but he has he was active in developing um, legislation in California to protect children's uh, data. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I may give him a call. That might make uh, an interesting uh, part of this story. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you very much. Uh, as usual, when I talk about these things about security and for the general individual, it's it's a it's a depressing subject. But I'm glad you're out there doing the work. <laughs> and, uh, as I move forward, I'll, I'll be in touch with that, uh, maybe doing something more with you. Mm -hmm. Sounds good, Lou. And that's why, you know, while it's depressing, you're also, you know, taking on a very serious and important topic. Uh, it's not a sexy or it's not a, you know, enjoyable topic. So you're actually doing the hard work of highlighting and bringing awareness to this. Uh, we're very grateful to you for doing that as consumers and happy to collaborate and see how we can, you know, facilitate a change uh, as an ecosystem that at least we're bringing awareness to everyone. So if we get every parent to start thinking about this, even though we may not be able to make changes immediately, 
that's a great first step from our perspective, Lou, that now at least everyone's asking their healthcare provider, how is my child's information going to be used? Are, we sh are you sharing this with anyone else? So that's a great first step for us to start asking these questions. And that's it for this week's issue of Crucial Tech. Make sure you go to cyberprotectionmagazine.com to read the full story there. And if you haven't yet, it's probably time for you to get your own subscription to Cyber Protection Magazine. It's only $24.99 a year, which is cheap at twice the price. Uh, and you'll be able to hear this uh, broadcast or this podcast uh, on Crucial Tech on the site, uh, which won't cost you anything. And uh, the article itself will not be quite as long as our uh, premium content, so you'll be able to see this too. But we have lots of other stuff there. Your uh, subscription helps support this kind of news. If it helps you, then that's what we're here for. So this has been Luke Covey with Crucial Tech, uh, his Footwasher Media production.